What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tech in Shanghai podcast. Today's guest is Jay Thornhill. Jay is one of the co-founders of BaoPals, a very popular e-commerce platform that basically allows English-speaking users to access the enormous selection available on Taobao. So over 800 million products and services available on China's most popular e-commerce platform, now available to English-speaking users, which is a huge life hack if you live here in China. So I'll say no more and just get on to the show. So enjoy. Welcome to the Tech in Shanghai podcast, the pearl of the Orient. Shanghai is the city of the future. All systems go full steam ahead. It never stops. Technology, innovation, ambition—it's everywhere. Join us as we explore this new world and talk to the people making it happen. The Tech in Shanghai podcast. The future is now. Cool, Jay. Thanks for joining me. Sure, happy to be here.、Um, So before I get you to tell us about Bao Pals, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be familiar, and then a lot of people may not be.、Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you how I came across Bao Pals. So I think we have a mutual friend. I'm not sure if he's your friend or one of the other guys in, in the office, but、uh, Maddie Waters. Oh yeah, I know Matt.、Um, so, Actually, all three of us know Matt. Yeah. So we were working out together with with FitFam a few months back. It was still cold then, and、uh, I, I told him I needed a lacrosse ball. Actually,、mm-hmm. the one I just showed you, and. He said, "Oh, you should check out my friend's website. It's called something something pals." And I just—we were in the middle of a workout, so I just,、mm-hmm. you know, didn't hear it too well. And then I got home that night, and I was trying to remember, like, was it, like, you know, I couldn't remember what it was.、Yeah. I knew it sounded like Taobao, which, for, for people that don't know, that's the main e-commerce platform here in China under Alibaba Group. And、um, so then I just forgot about it. And then the next time we had a workout together, I was like, "Well, what was the name of that place you told me about?" The, the you know, it's like Taobao, but all in English. So、mm-hmm. all the benefits of Taobao, all the selection, but it's in English. And he said it's Bao Pals, and I was like, "Oh, Bao Pals!" And then so I got on the next night, found my lacrosse ball, made an order, super simple, everything really good. So that was my first experience with. Bao Pals.、Right、We're、on. here at the、uh, the head office today. Why don't you give me the the brief intro to the service if I missed anything? Yeah, sure. Anything、like、First of all,、uh, kudos to you, FitFam people. Though I've thought about joining those workouts, but you guys get up at like five in the morning. You're you're working out in the rain, cold, and now the blistering heat. Oh yeah, you know it's、yeah. it's so hot. This morning,、um, I was in a session and it was just like. You're soaking wet by the end.、Yeah. Of it. It's tough, but yeah, they're bu- <laughs>、um, they're a bunch of freaks. That's, I, true, I that's really cool, though. <laughs>、um, but、uh, I mean, Baopao is pretty pretty straightforward for everybody living in China.、Um, once they go to Baopao, they kind of know what it is, or they've already heard about it from a friend.、Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, what we wanted to do was solve the problem、um, that most foreigners like us have in China: is that we want to shop online. The best way to shop online. Uh, online is through Taobao and Tmall.、Um, it's the largest marketplace in the world. There are over 800 million products.、Uh, delivery is in a day or two,、um, and Chinese people use it all the time.、Uh, but for us, you go onto Taobao or Tmall, and it's all in Chinese. It's chaotic. There are flashing lights all over the place. It's like being on a crowded subway in China. You、yeah. just you just try to get out of there as quickly as you can. Um, and there are other barriers too. I mean, the way the products are organized,、mm-hmm. uh, the departments,、um, being able to pay, even being able to set up an account, track your order, talk to the seller, return something, and get a refund—all the things you want to do when you shop online were just a pain in the ass. They're almost impossible to do. And even if your Chinese is 
so so good it still looks pretty chaotic you know and the last thing you want to do when you're making an order or sending money of any kind is press the wrong button and you know right have a, a fuck up there exactly so what most people do is they ask their their chinese friend or their colleague or before us they they would ask their chinese friends to help them um but then also too then you're bugging your friend constantly for an update on the order or if you want to return it you're not happy with it you got to bug them again yeah um you got to sort out paying them separately as well um so we felt that pain living here for years. Um, and so we set about basically bridging our platform with all of Taobao and Tmall. We wanted to build a tech solution. Mm-hmm. Um, we see ourselves as a tech company and an e-commerce company because uh, we had to build a whole lot of tech in order to have our site directly connecting and updating all the time with Taobao and Tmall so mm-hmm. that whatever is happening with Taobao and Tmall products and sellers is also happening on Baopal's. Um that's not easy to do, but once we built that technology, it was all about like reorganizing Taobao and Tmall into an experience that, that we would like as, as shoppers. Yeah. Um, the first question that comes to mind is, was that, like, did you have to get cooperation from Taobao to do that? Just to basically, you're taking everything that their site is and you're just changing it for an English speaking market. Right. Do so you have yeah, to have this, special access? Or? Um, yeah, we, we kind of, we get asked this all the time. Yeah. Sometimes we, sure. tip, we tiptoe around uh, parts of it because <laughs> um, we had to figure a lot of this out ourselves. I right. mean, when we first thought up the idea, we didn't want to be like an agent. We didn't want people to have to go on Taobao, find what they want, and then ask us to buy it and, or, or ask people on our platform to buy for them and, mm-hmm. and trust that. We wanted people to shop by themselves, right? So um, we, we didn't even know how we would build it. Um, and so we can't, we can't explain all the tech, but essentially this is possible because uh, Taobao and Tmall makes it possible, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not doing anything shady or illegal, um, like you know, stealing data or anything from right, them. They, right. they, they make it possible, um, but you have to get approval. You have to get access. We had to go through a lot of hurdles um, to be basically to have a right to use um, different pieces of technology. Mm-hmm. And what we had to do was put all of them together and then improve upon them massively because what's, what's available out there um, that you can work with is definitely not, you know, all of what we have. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, essentially you are collecting data from Taobao and Tmall um, and you're, you're gathering it through a couple of different ways that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are turning that into uh, an entire interface and, and user experience. Yeah. Um, now, I, I listened to a few of previous podcasts that you have done. I've read some of the articles you've published on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. And I want to, maybe you can speak a little bit more about, of course, the pain point was there, right? You know, we all know it like, shit, there's so many like cool, convenient, you know, everything is on mm-hmm. Taobao, basically. Yeah, you can't even imagine and what it's you'll ch- find. Yeah, exactly. And you guys do a great job of bringing some of the more odd things to the surface right. through your blogs and stuff like that. But, uh, and it's so cheap and it's so fast and it's just a huge life upgrade to be able to access that. So obviously everyone wants to have that access, but I understand you did, I think, corporate training or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing before. And you'd done a few different things in your quote unquote China journey, like so many of us. Um, what was it like when you had this idea with your, with your two co-founders who I know you guys were all friends, like. What allowed you guys to actually commit to this, you know, and to be like, you know what, not only like, cause we all know an idea is an idea and there's a million ideas and mm-hmm. you know, what gives it enough, uh, what gives you enough confidence in it to actually be like, you know what, let's actually execute on this idea right? rather than just be like, well, wouldn't that be cool? But 
yeah. we're not going to do it because yeah, it's, it's too hard or take too long or whatever? Um, that's a good question. I, I think the three of us were, we were coming at it from different angles, um, although we were kind of at a similar, a similar place. It started with Charlie. Um, Charlie, who um, you know, is one of my best friends, mm-hmm. and, and he originally had uh, the idea of solving the Taobao problem. Um, and I kind of like, I think the driving force, uh, behind that, and I think he would agree is, is, uh, that he went through a breakup, a bad breakup. And you know how some people go through a bad breakup and then, uh, they want to like change their life. They, they right. need to get like revi- revitalized. Sure. They're, they're down in the dumps and they're thinking like, well, obviously I'm not, I think it may be in the back of their minds. They're like, I'm not good enough. You know, I wasn't good enough for this person. You rethink everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. You go down a spiral, right? Um, and so. Uh, I can't, I can't speak for Charlie and how far down the spiral he might have gone, but, um, but I know that he was in a place where he was like, I gotta do something different. Um, I, you know, I maybe, maybe he wanted to be a better version of himself. Uh Um, but also too, he was, uh, he was teaching macroeconomics, uh, in English at a high school and he didn't want to be a career teacher. Uh That was kind of something that he fell into because he needed something to keep him here in China while he was looking for other opportunities. Uh Um, so that was what was going on in his life. Uh, meanwhile, our, our other co-founder, TJ, um, he was freelancing as a programmer, a web developer, mm-hmm. and both of them had done some work with me in my business before. Um, but, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't going super well. And he wanted to learn new skills. And he was tired of working on these short-term projects for other clients where he had no real stake in how well it went. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, bang out another job, right? Mm-hmm. So um, he told Charlie, hey, uh, try to think of some app ideas. I just, I want something to work on that we could work on together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, we've always thought if you're trying to think of a good business idea, it should be focused on a problem. Start with the problem. Think about what problem are you trying to solve? Who's experiencing it? How many are experiencing it? How do you, how do you monetize a solution for it? And all that. Um, and the best idea that Charlie had clearly was, uh, make Taobao more accessible to to foreigners. Mm-hmm. At least it felt like the best idea for us because we knew that if this solution existed, we would use it. Uh, we knew that our friends would use it. Um, Did you guys have to mm-hmm. pass the different ideas back and forth during that time? No, you're I like, can't how about this remember. one? How about that like, one? I can barely even remember. Or this one came up, ideas. you're like, that's definitely, yeah. if we're going to um, do anything, it's that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure there were ideas that I didn't even hear about. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember one idea um, was just an app to uh, translate all the bus routes in, in different Chinese cities for, right. for expats, right? Um, kind of like much, much smaller stuff than what we are doing. Right. Um, it was all, all the ideas, uh, if I remember correctly, were focused on solving problems for expats in China. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this was the, the clear winner. Yeah. And so uh, TJ and Charlie were talking about it a lot first um, before they actually came to me and said, look, we really want you to think about this too and, and, and work with us on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they were really excited about it and they, they kept talking about it more and more. Um, and then they came to me a little while after that, but I was still working full time uh, in corporate training. And you had your own training company at this point? Um, actually I had that before and yeah. then I, I sold it. Yeah. Um, we call it a sale, but really they wanted to hire me. Um, and so I basically Wire, brought, sort of brought my business. Yeah, yeah. I brought my business into theirs. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I was full timing on that. Um, it wasn't going as well as I had hoped when mm-hmm. I, when I joined, um, uh, which had been about a year previous or mm-hmm. a little over a year previous. Um, and so, yeah, so I was at least at a state where like, I wasn't totally happy with where I was uh, and I wasn't as optimistic as I usually am about where I was going. Right. Um, and so, 
Um, but I still was committed to what I was doing and I, and I still had some hope and I told them, look, I'm keeping my full-time gig, um, but I'll hang out with you guys in the evenings like we do anyway. Um, we can hang out all weekend and work on this too and let's be productive. And so uh, what they tell me would usually happen, kind of what I saw too, is they would, they would be hanging out in the day waiting, <laughs> kind of waiting to, to get to work um, until I got home. And so they'd, they'd be having beers and talking about the idea and how awesome it was. Uh-huh. Um, but we weren't really moving forward. And then in the evenings, we would actually really sit down, focus, and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then once we, once we figured out what kind of business model we wanted and what kind of solution we wanted, mm-hmm. um, TJ had to figure out what the tech would be like. Um, because he, you know, he's the tech guy. He's the mm-hmm. head of tech. Um, and it was a month and a half or so after that, after we knew what we wanted, um, when he said, guys, I found a way, this is possible. We can build the tech. And Charlie quit his job right then and there. It was either that day or the next day he quit his job and he was like, we're doing it. And we were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're set up a little table here. We're going to work. And the, the next day TJ was like, you know what? I might be wrong. Uh, I'm not sure we can actually do it. <laughs> and Charlie flipped out. He was like, like he was losing his mind because he was like, man, I just quit my job. Like Charlie had a good paying job, yeah. you know? Um, and he's like, I just quit my job. You gotta be kidding me. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there was a lot of panic. There was a lot of uncertainty, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's why we all committed because we felt, we felt this was a very real, um, potential business. Once yeah. we figured out the model and all that, and then the tech, that yeah. the tech was possible, we dove in. So it was a, fi- I mean, obviously it was a fairly clear, like, well, this should, you know, whether, depending on the scale, like it could, mm-hmm. could end up being any scale, right? I don't know yeah. how big the expat market is in China. Probably mm-hmm. if we're talking about Western expats, probably several hundred thousand people. Yeah, it's, something it's, like that. yeah, it's really hard to, to get clear data on right. it. I mean, the, the, the census, like you, you'd look up a, a census and it's from like 2010, maybe you find one from 2013. Um, so it's really hard. It's hard to know, but, um, there are, we estimate there are about 750,000 English speaking expats, um, in China. Wow. Um, and there's about 52 million tourists or more coming every year. China's now like the number one tourist destination right. um, in the world. So we're not, we're not targeting tourists yet. Yeah. But, but, uh, e- but either way, and you know, big enough market. Any, I mean, and even like you guys said, you're scratching your own itch, right? So it's something mm-hmm. like if you guys, this would solve a big problem for you, mm-hmm. you know, access to Taobao without having to bother people right. and all that kind of stuff. But you know what really got us excited about it wasn't that potential market. It's the overseas market. Um, so we, we wouldn't have gone all in if we were only thinking about being a, a domestic uh, business serving expats in China. That's still what we're doing right now. So from um, day one, that was not the, yeah, from, the primary from, goal. Yeah, from, from the get-go or, yeah. or shortly after we actually had the idea of solving this problem, we, we of course asked ourselves, well, what's the market? And so we look at the market of expats in China. Yeah. At the same time, though, we were, we were thinking about, okay, well, what's the long-term plan, right? Um, how, do we, how do we take this much bigger than that? How do we become a global company? Yeah. Um, and, and the answer to that was, well, we figure out payment and logistics and, and we take this overseas because everything is made in China. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the products that are made here, they go through so many different stops on the way to some retail store in Australia or the U.S. or any other market. Mm-hmm. Um, they may, may or may not get rebranded. Um, and, and you pay five times the price mm. as if you were buying it directly from the manufacturer here in China. Mm. Um, so we always had that in the back of our mind. And it was back then, it was so far off in the future that we didn't even start making plans for it. Right. Um, 
but uh, but that is that was always the progression. Yeah. All right. Well, so let, you guys have been around for a year and a half now. Is yeah. Right? We our official launch date was March first, twenty sixteen. So about okay. sixteen, almost seventeen months ago. Yeah. And started with the three of you. Now you're at. 28 what's the team count um yeah i guess it depends if we count like a few interns that we have right. but we're roughly 30 people roughly now. 30 people yeah so that's it seems like it's been going well can you characterize yeah. it since you guys were like okay let's do this and you know maybe a little bit about because i think you know a lot of the people that listen to this show in particular i think they're in the position that you guys were in right mm-hmm. so going through job you know you're in China because you like you came here for adventure or to try something different, and whatever for whatever reason you got hooked and you decided to stay, but maybe it just didn't pan out in exactly the way that you had originally hoped, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people come here with big eyes of, uh, you know, and big ambitious eyes with a hope for you know riches and opportunity yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and you wind up maybe going down another road. Mm-hmm. And most people go down a few different roads before they find the one that they actually want to be on. Yeah, sounds like that was kind of the case with with you guys. So mm-hmm. you get together, you start. Like, what happens then? And I know that's a lot of time to work right. with. So let's you know try to condense it down. But sure, you know you, you decide to go forward. You, yeah. you decide that it's it's feasible. The pro, you know, mm-hmm. the tech and everything. Bring us up to now. Just you know as. Right. The highlights. Yeah, to, the I'll highlights. Try to condense it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll probably get into the nitty gritty stuff um, <laughs> later. But. Uh, I mean, obviously, the first thing was just having a spot, a dedicated spot to work in, right? And and we, for us, we made it our apartment because mm-hmm. um, Charlie and TJ were living together five floors above me, um, and we had no money. A lot of startups, you know, they have their idea and then they go out and sell the idea and they raise funding because they need they need the money to build it, and they right. need the money for the overhead and all that. Um, whereas we we figured if we build it, the customers will come will mm-hmm. come. So. Um, and also we just, we just didn't really know how we would go about getting funding, um, least of all here, here in China. Right. Yeah. So, um, we, we decided that we were just going to, uh, try to survive and build the thing. Um, and so we worked for, for months and months, um, in, in that apartment day and down seven days a week, all the time, um, building the platform. We didn't make any hires. Uh, it was just us three learning as we went. Um, and then after we launched, um, we had we hired our first employee about a month before we launched because we needed a Chinese employee right. uh, for so many reasons. Right? <laughs> um, but we needed a Chinese employee, um, least of all for or you know essentially for the operation to be able to process orders, talk to sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we did launch and it was very quiet. Um, there would I, I had a, a bell like a ding on my phone every time we got an order, a and lot, we would all early celebrate. Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> we would all like celebrate um, and look at it, and, and oh my god, somebody actually spent money on our site. It worked, um, but it was very quiet at first. But then after three weeks, we we got press. We got an article written about us in Expat Press, and then all of a sudden we went from like ten orders a day to thirty to forty orders a day. And we're like, okay, we got to hire people. Um, we, we, you know, we got to make sure we keep up with the orders. So we, uh, little by little, just, we, we hired a, a few Chinese staff, um, and we just converted the apartment into an office. We, mm-hmm. like we, the, the desk started snaking around the room. We had to move basically all the original furniture out, sofa, TV, all that became office space, mm-hmm. um, until we had about 18 people in there. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was it was thrilling, and to be doing it all ourselves too. Like yeah. we considered going to through an accelerator or an incubator, um, and having helping hands along the way. But um, it was kind of nice 
doing it little by little gradually and and just bootstrapping yeah um and were you like mm -hmm. at this stage the hires you were making coming out of your respective savings like it wasn't the business wasn't throwing off enough cash um, yet yeah to... so we actually we we did raise some money okay. um very little in, in the startup world yeah. um but we raised uh money from friends first yeah um and then uh towards the after i remember like, hearing you in one interview saying that like one friend contributed like 5,000 RMB, yeah, which yeah, is like had, less than a yeah. thousand bucks. And I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think, uh, you know, he was even like a few hundred short and it was just like, man, just, okay, forget it. Like, we'll take, we'll take this. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if the rest of it ever came in, um, but we were just so happy to have like any, any, I mean, we were, we were eating dumplings and like ramen and, and, and worrying about, you know, losing our apartments. Um, I mean, this is the, the, you know, not stereotypical in a bad way, but mm -hmm. you know, this is one of the you know, yeah. uh, found up stories, right? You all, mm -hmm. it, it happens in a, a small space, an apartment, whatever you're living, you know, very inexpensively, the, the cup noodles and all that kind of stuff. Right. So. Yeah. And you, and it was good to go through that struggle too, because mm -hmm. it forces you into a state of desperation. And when you're in desperation mode, I mean, it's, it can be hard, on, but, yeah. but it, it forces you to, to obsess over your business to, you have to make it work. You have no safety net. Yeah. Um, and you got to make smart decisions. Um, and, and you have to sell the dream to each person you hire because you definitely don't have the money to pay much, right? They got to right. be in it for the long term. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, um, it got, we started getting some breathing room, right? We saw, we saw orders coming in and it was growing so fast um, in the early days because um, when you get 10 orders a day and then all of a sudden you get 20 orders a day, you've just doubled your size, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we were growing like 40 to 50% a month, um, you know, uh, after like five, six months. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really exciting. Um, and we started to approach um, some stability. I mean, we always were terrified that like our site would break, that right. you know, we you just have new challenges as you grow. But, yeah. um but yeah, it was, we, we started to, to see this really coming into form over the first like eight months and a team, a, a fam, like a family that we had kind of created, um, of people who loved coming into work and, and saw how quickly it was growing. So it was really exciting. What were some of the things, you know, and correct me if this is a the wrong assumption, but in the early days where I imagine at least to get this thing live, heavy on the tech amount of mm -hmm. tech work involved, right? Which I know absolutely mm -hmm. nothing about. But what were the non-tech, you know, founders? So you're, I guess yourself and Charlie. And Charlie, yeah. What were you guys primarily doing during those days and and the early days where it was still mm. heavy on tech and it wasn't as kind of departmentalized right. as it is right now? Right. Well, yeah, we we had to do everything. Um, I mean, everything except the the code, right? Yeah. Um, because there was so much code to do. So you know, TJ has always been um, focusing on that. Um, but I, I had to design the site. Um, and, uh, I mean, I have design experience, but I wouldn't call myself a designer, Right. but you know, I was the, I was the best of us three. So, so I had to design the first version of the site. Um, Charlie and I both had to, uh, create all the departments ourselves. Um, like we, we didn't, we didn't import departments and categories, all that. Right. From Taban, Timor. Um, we have, we have their built-in categories, but they're all over the place. Um, they're, you know, and, and, uh, they don't work so well. So. Once we had uh, some of the core technology working, Charlie and I just spent all day um, looking at our site at Taobao and Tmall products and reorganizing and categorizing them. I mean, this is over 800 million products. So we had to think, okay, how do we, how do we save time for every shopper by 
organizing these products in some way that makes sense that they can browse. Right. So we had to focus on the content. Um, we, we did, we did the marketing, which back then was basically just like spamming and telling all our friends <laughs> to tell to their friends, friends and, yeah. right. Getting in as many Facebook groups for expats as we could. Yeah. Um, uh, we also, we had to figure out a lot of legal financial questions. So right. we were meeting with people trying to, trying to figure out how we would do that. We yeah. were re- doing a ton of research. Um, we did the recruiting and interviewing once we started hiring people. In um, hindsight, what yeah. would you have done more or less of in those days? Um, you mean like if we had other people to do it? Uh, we- no, I mean, you know, you know, looking back, what would do you think like, oh, well, that was kind of a waste of time. Oh, we shouldn't okay. have done that. Or had we focused on that? Yeah. You know, things are going great. So I don't, sure. you know, I, of course, I, so, I, I know you could say, well, I'm happy with the way things turned out. But was there anything that stood right. out in the early like, days where you could be like, oh, we could have uh-huh. we could have swerved on that or we could have done more of that? Um yeah, it's a good question. Well, definitely the best use of our time and where we spent most of our time was figuring out the user experience. Right. Um, the majority of our time was was thinking about how the site should work um, and studying e-commerce sites um, and then feeding that into how we designed our site and how we planned it. Um, so that's how we spent most of our time, and that was absolutely essential mm-hmm. and valuable time. Um, we had we had quite a few meetings with lawyers. Um, and different lawyers would tell us different things. Um, and so we never really got any kind of, I mean, I think what we were really looking for was just some, some, uh, comfort, uh, in knowing that like, okay, we're not going to get this thing shut down as soon as we go live, uh, when one call is made or one email is sent. Um, and we didn't get too much clarity from those. So we, we, maybe we needed it for our own, for, for, um, some, our own own sleep, right. And peace of mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that took up too much time. And I think otherwise, I mean, we, yeah, everything we had to do was pretty much essential. Um, wasn't much fat. Yeah, no, I I mean, we, well, one thing actually, you know, I'm just remembering one thing we cut, um, in the early days, we used to offer our own shipping solution, which was that uh, people would make an order and their items would ship to us in our apartment, uh, slash office. (laughs) And then we would repackage it. And ship to them. And they would pay a little bit more for that. And basically what they were paying for was package consolidation um, and a bit better tracking because we could let, we knew where the package was exactly. Yeah. Um, and we were thinking, you know, some people may want that and we'll do that. We also had another shipping option where we would have it shipped to a convenience store right near their apartment yeah. or wherever they lived or by the school if they had a school address. Um, and then they'd get a text message when it goes to the store and they could go show their phone and pick it up. So we had these other two shipping methods. We don't have them anymore. So in hindsight, we never should have done either of those. Right. Um, the, the package consolidation one, we cut pretty quickly because how are you going to scale that? First of all, if you're not a logistics company, if you're like, if you're like eight people in an apartment, apartment will fill up pretty quick, right? Exactly. Yeah. You got so many packages. Like there's no way that we were going to be able to do it properly. It's all not right. our strength, not our skill set, And also people don't want to pay more and they don't want to wait an extra few days for one item that's held up. Yeah. Um, and, and having it deliver, you know, we might have a delivery go, go from inner Mongolia to us in Shanghai and then over to Beijing. It just right. didn't make sense. But yeah. We cut that, and the convenient pickup one uh, we cut, even though a lot of customers loved it, we had to cut it because um, while if you're in like Shanghai or Beijing, um, most of the time it's going to work out nicely. They go, it goes to like a family mart, and you can walk right up and, and pick it up. Um, but it, if you're in another city, and even in these cities, it could very well go to 
basically anyone who signs up on Taobao as like, I can be a communion pickup spot. I'll, I'll help with that. I'll follow the rules. And it might go to like some barber shop, uh, like not even a barber shop, but like just some, hole someone the on wall. the street. Yeah. yeah. Hole in the wall on the street. Um, and your package is like on the ground in a puddle. Um, and so, you know, we just couldn't control the quality of that. Right. So, so we spent a lot of resources. We even had like a dedicated team for managing these types of delivery. Um, and so that, that's something in hindsight we definitely shouldn't have done. Yeah. And I, I asked the question only to see if there were any like obvious fuck ups in the early mm-hmm. days, not to insinuate that, you know, because I, I think a lot of in my conversations with entrepreneurs and, and people that are aspiring to be them, yeah. a lot of times I think the, um, the desire to avoid making mistakes mm-hmm. becomes overly paralyzing and then mm-hmm. it leads to inaction yeah. or failure to execute or whatever. And yeah. I think accepting that there's going to be many different squiggles on that arrow that's pointing mm-hmm. that's general tra- trajectory is upward, but it may snake right. around and go in different directions first, you yeah. know? Um, so with bow pals that happened, you, you went from kind of, mm-hmm. you know, 30 to 40 to 50 orders a day. Were there any points up to now where there was like big kind of peak moments? Not, I don't mean peak moments, but where it, it grew substantially, like you mentioned oh, yeah. some media coverage and things like that. Yeah, um, we've learned because we've had over a year of Baopals now, yes. and so with uh, with e-commerce, you get ups and downs different times a year. Yeah, and we had no way of knowing how substantial they would be. You know, where where exactly would the peak be? We had a rough idea. Okay, Christmas, Christmas shopping, right? Yeah. Um, but you don't know how significant these highs and lows are, and that's really hard because you don't know how many people you're going to need, how how many resources you're going to need to stay on top of, of everything, right? right? Um, and deliver your service during those peak times. And then what do you do with all those people when right after the peak time it starts dropping and now you got wasted, uh, wasted resources. Sure. Um, so that was, that was really tough, but, uh, focusing on the good part of that, uh, the peak season started in September. Um, and like that's for school for families. Or something yeah. Like so that? a lot of people leave in the summer. Yeah. Uh, and this, we're right in the middle of the summer now yeah. and business wise, it sucks, man. It, really? it sucks. Yeah. Like we're talking and other business, we've talked to other uh, expat oriented businesses. Um, and across the board, it's like 30 to 50% drop wow. in the summer. Um, that's how many people are leaving. <laughs> um, and, and so for one thing, you have all these, all these students or people who were here uh, short term, they tend to leave around summertime when school year's over. Um, or just when it's too damn hot and they want to get away. Um, and, uh, and you have a lot of people taking vacation as well. Um, so also I think in the, the cooler months, there's just more to buy, <laughs> you know, more, more clothing and things to, to keep you warm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so around September we had, uh, you know, an influx of, of, of new people coming to China, whether they were teachers or students, but also people coming back from holidays. And then, um, October was great for us, actually. You wouldn't think of Halloween as like a big shopping holiday, but the fact is that in that it's a big holiday for expats in China because it's one of those things we share and it's a party time. Right. And, Everyone's and, looking for costumes for parties. Right. Or, and, and because it's know. not a Chinese holiday, it's not very obvious where to buy them. Um, right. You know, there are some stores in Shanghai focus on it because there are enough foreigners here. But yeah. throughout China... You're not walking around seeing Halloween decorations and Halloween party supplies everywhere. Right. So people started asking each other, all right, we got a costume party. Where, where are you buying your costume? And so word spread a lot because of that. Um, and then right after October, uh, you have the huge November shopping event here in China, Singles Day. Yeah. So 11-11, 
um, is huge for us because that's when everybody's shopping on Taobao and Tmall and talking about it because there are massive sales and discounts, and that means there are sales on Baopals too. Right. Um, so right. we did like five times a normal day's business in in, in that day alone, uh, and that was that was a crazy day because um, I remember. We, we normally uh, close the office at, at about 6.30 p.m. Um, so, and, and it was a, it was a, that was Thursday, the day before. And every Thursday is dodgeball. We have the Bell Pals dodgeball team. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, we, we leave the office. Um, I go to dodgeball. And then a few of us, um, a few of us come right back to the office uh, after dodgeball. It's about like 10.30, 11 p.m. And then we have our first, first shift of people coming in at midnight to start processing orders right away at midnight. Um, and they worked till 8 a.m. Then the next shift came in. They, some of them worked from uh, 8 to 4. Some went 8 to 8. One guy went 8 a.m. to midnight. Um, and my co-founder and I, and I stayed throughout it. Um, so it was basically like 36 hours without sleep. Yeah. Um, but it was the most exciting day yeah. we've ever had, obviously, because it was just orders were just coming in. We were shocked. Yeah. And you must have thought a little bit at that time, like, this is what it's about, right? Like, yeah. being here, not sleeping, staying, doing, pulling the all-nighter because shit's going crazy. Like, yeah. you but must you also, have had a smile. I mean, I know it was probably strenuous, was but you yeah. must have had a smile either inside well, or on your face, you know, yeah, at some there, point throughout that, right? A, a couple things about that, though. Um, I should mention, we, we had to move office right before that big sales event because we couldn't fit in our, in our current space. As so we moved to this giant office about a week before it, uh-huh. um, and we had to hire a couple people and train them and onboard them. But uh, we had to move everything ourselves in one night. Um, we didn't have money to pay a moving company. Um, and we got in here and found out that the internet was going to be delayed 10 days. So we had no internet in here. Um, and the heating also wasn't working. And this is wintertime. Mm-hmm. And there's no like insulation. And so wind is blowing through the windows. So... Amidst all this excitement, our team is freezing cold, wrapped in blankets, and we're using little mobile like Wi-Fi, uh, little mobile data cards. We had like six of them spread throughout the office with different people trying to connect to different data cards. One would go down. Somebody else would be like, what's the password to this other one? And, and it's super slow, you know, without proper internet. Yeah. And we're having the busiest day of the entire year. Um, Did that so, affect your site too? Or that was on different um, Our site was okay because yeah. the servers were all right. Yeah. Our hosting's all right. Um, but it made, it made it, it was, it was exciting, but it was also super, super stressful, um, yeah. not to mention cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, it that's makes the, it memorable. Yeah. That's you know? the, that's what the stuff of legends, right? Yeah, that's what the stories are made of, right? Yeah. Um, so take me up to now, like, where are you guys at? How fast are you growing? I know you've gotten a lot more media coverage mm-hmm. over, you know, maybe in, in the last year or so, or in oh, la- yeah. even in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's going on now? Um, first of all, I have to apologize. It looks like uh, there's a team up on the roof doing some, some construction. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't all, get too bad. I, I would say about half of these podcasts are interrupted by construction. Uh, so first of all, don't worry about yeah. it. That's the sound of this China. This is how you so. save money. This is how you save money in an office space is you pick one that's still where they're still working. <laughs> um, but um, sorry. So, so um, can you Yeah, where are we at now? Yeah. Like, you know, things, okay. that was, that's how things started. Things got rolling. Mm-hmm. You know, the team has continued to grow for a company that's less than uh, two years old. Mm-hmm. You know, to have a team of 30, that's, that's a fairly good sign, especially mm-hmm. when most of it is self, self-funded. Um, where are we at right now? Okay. Um, well, yeah, c- continuing on from like the peak season, 
that can give you a false sense of confidence. Right. We've learned because I mean, we were just growing so fast. We grew like 150% in, in three months. Um, and we were on top of the world. And right after that, um, you have like Chinese New Year. Um, and everything shuts down in right. China for about three weeks, including yeah. sellers going offline, logistics companies being like, oh yeah, we're freezing all deliveries for, for two it's, weeks. It's crazy. We're like, what do you mean? I mean, like these are people have ordered like milk. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? You got to deliver things. Um, and so, so that hit pretty hard and we also had way, way too many people right. as well. Um, so we had like, wow, okay, how we, how, how do we have enough money now saved up? Um, yeah. are we we going to be able to keep people busy. Uh, the mood starts to dip because you're not growing anymore. And I mean, it's easy to keep your employees happy when you're growing, right? Right. They, they feel that uh, excitement. And then all of a sudden when you're, you're not growing or even, you know, when you possibly start dipping, you know, it's like, wait, what, what's happening? Is this the beginning of the end? Right. 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 Um, and so we've gone through all that though, and we're still, we're still stable and we're cash flow positive now. Mm-hmm. And so we've learned not to swing up and down so much with the comp- with the, the success of the company yeah. because you just go you drive yourself mad doing that. Um, and so where um, where we're at now, at least from a, from a, a, an overall company point of view, is that um, we are just getting ready to launch version two of Balpals. I mean, this is something we've been working on for it feels like a year because not long after we launched the the first version of the platform, we. We realized how much of it, um, you know, we, the tech we didn't do right, knowing what we know now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, too, because we, we rushed the first version of Valpals because we knew that if it just was functional, um, that people would use it. And also because we were desperate, we had to launch as quickly as possible. Sure. Um, so not long after we launched, we said, okay, what's the next version going to be? And we decided to start from scratch um, on a completely new code base. Um, so... We are about two months away from launching that, uh, and with that, um, we're we're introducing a whole lot of improvements, uh, like completely revamped design, mm-hmm. um, more more and better information um, on the products and sellers, um, better. I mean, just the the regular experience is better. But what we're most excited about is we're starting to introduce social features, um, meaning starting with like you have your Balpals account, and then you can have your own profile, mm-hmm. and in your profile you can um, create lists of products and you can make them private or public mm-hmm. and you can start to curate right. um, and you can categorize. You're essentially, it's like a wish list on steroids in a, little, a way. A little you store, right? Like yeah. you curate your own things, whether it's stuff mm-hmm. you have or stuff you'd like. Right. And then, you know, people that are your friends or followers or fans or whatever can go and be like, oh, well, if John or Jay likes that shit, maybe I should mm-hmm. check it out and... Exactly. And yeah, exactly. That's, that's where it starts, right? That's when we initially launched version two. That's the the first thing um, that we wanted to drive people to because no site needs it more than ours because we have all the products. I mean, over 800 million products, way more than Amazon has. Um, And, you know, because it's from Taobao and Tmall and it's, it's Chinese products as well, there's, there's a gap in, in trust mm-hmm. and also being able to find products, even though you can search in English or any language you want. Yeah. Um, it's translating, right? And you're, you're relying on translated searches. Um, our departments are going to help a lot because we're going to have 50 departments instead of the 18 we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we think that allowing our users to find the coolest products and find the stuff that they like. So if you're like really into Game of Thrones... Why don't you set up a Game of Thrones page where you are finding all the best Game of Thrones t-shirts and Game of Thrones memorabilia, and then other people that are into Game of Thrones can find that, see it, and if you're vouching for it, 
um, and, and you're reliable, then you're going to start getting followers, right? And it's going to build. And do um, those generate any sort of commission for the people that host the, yeah, the thing? Smart. Yeah, you're, you're, um, you're thinking ahead. And that's exactly right. How do you yeah. incentivize it? So right. um, we're starting with, with simply the social incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, we think people will do it first off for themselves because people are already creating wish lists. And sure. you know, you're not always buying things right away. You might be waiting for that next paycheck. Absolutely. Um, but also... Um, people want to see, people want to show their friends what they're buying. And then also people want to gain followers and they want to, they want to be recognized for being good at this. But the long path is when we incentivize it monetarily, where like if every time someone goes through your page and they buy something, you get a little commission. Uh, we think that's a, it's, it's a huge uh, driver. Yeah. I've given it a little thought and I think it's part of a larger trend of, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, but like kind of like everyone will be their like me economy or Mm -hmm. like everyone will be their own little economy. I like that. Now, each little part of it will develop at different stages and different speeds. But, you know, with the advent of so many of these technologies, you know, 3D printing and, you know, the way e-commerce is changing and the way media is changing and everyone can put out their own media and stuff like Everyone will just be their own little economy. And if you, if you follow someone, if you like someone who's into health and wellness mm-hmm. or into tech or intellectual or whatever it is your thing is, like how much stronger is in, in terms of when you decide to go buy stuff, is it like, you know what, I want to go check out like Kobe's store. Right. What's Kobe looking at? Like, yeah. what kind of gadgets is Kobe into? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what kind? Of, and then you look and you're like, oh, that's super cool. Maybe Kobe mm-hmm. is there. Like, yo, I tried this yesterday and it was super fun. I used it with you know whomever. Right. Like, just in terms of discovery, mm-hmm. which is huge. And then in terms of you know referral, you know strength right. of that referral, it's 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 massive. Right. Yeah, you know? and yeah, exactly. And instead of you know turning on the TV and seeing a commercial where Kobe is is basically like holding up uh, some Hanes underwear and saying like, oh, of course, I always play in these. You right, know? exactly. Um, it's right. bullshit. It's, it's more Every- real. Right. He can, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, and of course, you're going to, you know, when you have something like that, you're going to have sellers who are trying to take advantage of it as well. Yeah. Um, but we think we have something pretty unique in this regard because, for one thing, you don't have to be Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, the people who are the best at finding the right products for the right niches, the right groups of people, yeah. they rise to the top, right? The system will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're vouching for a product that at the end of the day isn't that great, um, then you know you won't be rewarded for that. Yeah. Um, the, the community has that strength. 100%. Right? And I, I think those actors will be the minority and they'll get mm-hmm. weeded out pretty quickly. Yeah. But it's such an interesting concept and I'm excited for it because – as humans, we're so obsessed with personality and, you know, we're social creatures, right? right? We're so interested in how other people tick. Mm -hmm. Why do people listen to two people talking to each other? Because they're interested in me trying to figure out a little bit how you tick and Mm -hmm. our collective kind of conversation and opinion on this stuff. And, you know, especially when it comes to products and buying things, it's like most, you know, we know what we need for sure. Like that's an easier thing to yeah. know. In terms of what we want, you know, we kind of have to be shown it and convinced it. Mm-hmm. But it's if we know, but we it's much easier to identify who we admire or who we think is cool right. or who we want to be like or who we right. want to model in some or way. who's or who's just spent a whole lot more time of figuring out. You know what, type and we respect of their opinion, and, yeah. and we and all that kind of stuff. Right. And we have that kind of the resonance experts. or vibe with them, mm-hmm. or something. And then all we have to do is go and see what they're checking out. Yeah, 
And then, you know, I feel like it'll be a, you're spoiled for choice. You'll be like, wow, you know, like, pick your person, but whoever you follow, it's just such a strong right. thing. So it'll be and, really cool when that comes We're so out. excited. You know, yeah. we actually had that idea back in, uh, in May of 2016. Yeah. We've been sitting on this idea. And, and it's Are any other e-commerce uh, companies not, doing it? Uh, well, you have... Um, you have a lot of you affiliate have selling and stuff. Com. Yeah. yeah, a lot of affiliate selling. You have a site uh, called Fancy, which has kind of, it's like the Pinterest of shopping, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a, really a shopping first platform. Like the shopping part of it uh, is, is so minor. Um, what it is is for people, and there are, there are celebrity accounts on there, mm-hmm. um, and basically, you know, they are, they're just pinning um, cool products, yeah. right? Um, but hardly anybody's shopping on there. Um, you have you have KOLs uh, or key opinion leaders yep. um, on Taobao right. already, and Taobao lets you do so- something kind of similar, but it's just not a driving function. Yeah, uh, I don't think any website. So they're picking up with the construction, but I don't think any website has ever been in a position to take advantage of this type of feature right off the bat, like we have, because. Yeah. It's kind of call- we just feel like it's calling for it. Like right. it just you for for one thing, you need for, foreigners shopping on our site want to know what other foreigners are buying because China is such a foreign land. Yeah, um, we we're not familiar with Chinese brands, Chinese sellers, a lot of Chinese products, um, and so yeah, we just think we're kind of primed for something like this. Yeah, it's I can't wait to see it. I'm super excited, and uh, I think there's so once you get that out there there'll be so many interesting ways you guys find a tweak and change mm-hmm. that you know so like yeah. you know the, the, the way that media will combine with that so whoever's hosting the, mm-hmm. the store they can do their own unboxing videos they can do their right. own reviews they can do all that kind of stuff which yeah. I just think will facilitate more unique shopping experience and a more like mm-hmm. a more smooth and efficient shopping experience too like you you, you, you know the, the, the time between wanting to make a purchase and making mm-hmm. it will probably be shortened as a result of that. Yeah, you spend a lot of time um, just searching to find things. Actually, yeah. the, the average user of our website spends 11 minutes on the site with each visit, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, really high in terms of uh, most websites' traffic. Yeah. Um, and that's because you can, you can spend so much time exploring. You, yeah. you can go down. It's like when you're in YouTube and you get to the weird section of YouTube <laughs> and you look on the right and you see like related videos. <laughs> yeah. And you spend, you spend all this time and then you're like, man, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. Like, why, am I, why am I watching this right now? Like, I'm, yeah. Who made this video? Um, yeah. You can kind of do that on our site too uh-huh. because... You, you see a weird picture of a product, and you're like, what, the, what is that person wearing on their head? You click that, yeah. you look at like similar products, um, and you just go down these spirals. And then the next thing you know, um, you're looking at buying like a, a World War II ship. <laughs> or, yeah. or you're buying like a... Uh, the other day we found um, uh, this service where a supposedly hot woman would try to tempt your boyfriend to find out if your boyfriend was uh, the type of guy who would cheat on you. Um, like there's just, you just never know what you're going to find. Please and tell me someone tested that service. We, we haven't yet. Um, but, you know, you go to the seller page, uh, thousands of Chinese people are using it. Really? Um, there's plenty of reviews. So That's amazing. Um, yeah, actually, you can see reviews so on So services and stuff are hosted on BioPals too, right? Because Taobao does a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. everything that's on Taobao is on Baopao. Yeah, our site, our site brings all of it over. That's incredible. Um, yeah, all the weird stuff. But, you so. know, on the flip side of that, I think, and, you know, we'll, we'll get off it after this, but on that, that type of shopping, 
The, the flip side is a lot of people will be like, oh, I need to pick up a recorder or a coffee mug mm-hmm. or something. And then they'll just go, type it in, find the one they like and leave. Yeah. But as you were mentioning with YouTube, like when you go to YouTube, it's customized to your viewing history. Yeah, that's like, really cool. Maybe yeah. you'll like this one or maybe. Right. And so, you know, I check YouTube every day. Mm-hmm. I just go to it and see what's on the front. I'm like, man, there's nothing yeah, there. I love it too. I, I mean, but, I, on YouTube, yeah, when I sign in. I've, I mean, if the you stuff go to my you YouTube, you can learn who I am. Exactly. It's all, basically, it's Which all... Which is super scary, like NDA. the data YouTube must have on <laughs> right. all of us. Oh, yeah. I mean, they know exactly what I like. Yeah, but but my point is, is like, now shopping may turn into, like, you'll do you'll check it, you'll just check in on your the people mm-hmm. you follow every yeah, day. Yeah, that's what we wanted to like, be. Like, how have they changed their store, and, right. and, and what are they doing, as opposed to just being totally transactional, like, I need a printer, I'm yeah. going to buy it online, because it's cheaper there. Right. Now it's like, discovery. Right. You know, a big, por- you know, big aspect of yeah, it. I think I think that's I mean that kind of defines our generation, right? I totally. mean, we're we're the first generation that grew up with these social networks. Yeah. Um, where we're used to being able to sign in and see what all the people we know or follow are up to. Whereas the generation that built e-commerce before us, for them, going online and shopping was they, they mimicked going to stores. Yeah. Seeing advertisements on TV or in the shopping mall, going to the store that you want to look at and then and then choosing your product and getting out of there. Whereas yeah. You know, we're used to it being much more social, much more personal. Mm-hmm. And so we were definitely inspired by, by the way we go on YouTube and Facebook um, and trying to personalize shopping like that instead of some algorithm telling you, oh, you looked at a blender yesterday? Here's 50 other blenders <laughs> you might want to buy today. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, – no, I agree. And it's, I'm very much looking forward to how all that turns out. Mm-hmm. So – how – like what's the next five years – not five. What's the next two years look like for you guys? Oh, man. I wish I had a crystal ball. I wish because – What's the plan? I mean like yeah. what, are, what are you going for? Yeah, well – Launch this in the next two months. Yeah. I mean we're, we're so ambitious that I almost don't want to speak it because I, I might sound like I'm out of my mind uh-huh. with what we want to do with this thing. Um, right, go for it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, why not have that, that big, hairy, ambitious goal, right? Um, I think that, that's what we all want. So – um, the first problem we wanted to solve, you know, was shopping on Taobao, um, and we solved that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but but then we started asking, okay, well, what problems with shopping uh, from China can we solve for for people around the world? Because Alibaba is is I mean, it's a massive company, and yeah. they have they already have websites, platforms set up for buying from overseas. They have Alibaba.com, which is B two B wholesale. They have AliExpress, mm-hmm. which is more B two C. Although it's not, it's not Taobao and Tmall, and it's I mean, it does billions of dollars of business, but it's not uh, it's not a well known or well loved platform, right. despite how well it does. Yeah. Um, and so we said, okay, can we? Can we solve the problem? What is the problem? We think the problem is that people around the world still don't trust made in China. And they're not going to trust uh, Chinese brands and Chinese sellers, even though they're still buying the same shit when it, when sure. it gets Walmart sold. Walmart or whatever, yeah. yeah. Right? Everything is being made here. So to <laughs> not trust being made in China, you're not going to be able to live in the world today. Right. Um, but when they go on a platform like AliExpress, a Chinese platform, and Chinese sellers are, are marketing to them directly... It still feels like um, you know there, there's no trust. So yeah. that's the problem we want to solve: bridging that gap. Uh, of course, there are other problems that are that are like payments, right? How do you pay directly um, to, to Chinese sellers? How do you handle the logistics? But these are minor problems, and these are being solved by people greater than us. Um, so we want to we want to solve the trust gap, um, and we think that by having these these foreigners on the site. 
curating products and vouching for products, starting with foreigners in China who know what's good, who have that trust, because we've lived here long enough to figure out what you do want to buy in China. Right. Um, starting with them and then growing these new social features, that's how you bridge the, the trust. Um, should I send somebody up there to just yeah. like tell these guys to stop? Or it should, right? should be okay. okay. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so we think, we think that's, the, that's the start of it. Um, and we want to roll out these features um, this year. You know, it's, 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 we don't have a, we, we have like to piecemeal it because yeah. we're changing the way people shop. And sure. you can't roll it all out at once and expect them to do it. Yeah. So we're going to piecemeal it throughout this year. Um, at the same time, we're going to be, we're going to be looking at logistics um, and payment as well, finding the right partners um, and the right paths to start getting these products overseas. We're going <laughs> to choose, we're going to choose the markets um, that we want to hit and go step by step with those. Um, and we think that the, you know, there are two real long-term paths we can take. One is the path that that leads us into, you know, part of being a, a part of Alibaba, right? right? I mean, obviously, get acquired by Alibaba. Yeah, what's the exit strategy yeah. if there is one, right? Um, the most the most logical path is that we keep doing everything we can to be to be awesome, to be a great shopping experience. We bridge that gap in trust. And then we might have something that Alibaba looks at and says, you know what? This is the best way to go overseas. They've, they've figured it out right. in a way that we didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, this, this is it. And, and we, we keep that platform and who, who knows? Maybe they acquire us. Um, maybe we become like their, their sister or whatever. Yeah. Um, the other path is that we become more of a hub. We become more independent. Either we start having sellers list directly on our platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we start integrating products from, from JD.com, another Chinese platform. Might, They're like right above us. Do you think you'd be successful I, if you, you know, asked them to give, stop? Me, give me 30 seconds. I'm going to tell someone to run up and just ask them. Okay. <laughs> I'll be right back. Thanks. Um, shall, we, yeah, we, shall we dive back in? Are we I, safe? I, we might be. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, cool. Where yeah. were we? Um, oh, you know, we were talking we were... about plans for the future, right? Oh, right and you're talking yeah. about exit, and, you know, so possibly, so, yeah. you know, Alibaba would see something valuable, valuable in you mm-hmm. guys, and decide that maybe you're a target for acquisition, and that's kind of one yeah, well, way we, things we would go. Yeah, we can't speak for Alibaba. Sure, of course. Um, yeah. But per, you, know, you know, even if we even if we had talks with them, we can't tell you about it. Sure, we're gonna and, you know. Or any, any any e-commerce company may, may be interested. Maybe right. it's other one other players in in China. Who knows? Yeah, the I mean, natural could, one would be, right. You know. Exactly. Um, but if we wanted to be independent, um, there's also a path that way too. Yeah. Um, where we could start having our own sellers, um, or we could uh, implement the same kind of technology with platforms uh, like Amazon or, or Jindong, which is um, another huge e-commerce platform in China, yeah. and start having those products and sellers on our site too, and become more of a hub. Um, where then anywhere in the world, you know, you're not just shopping uh, from China, but the whole you, yeah, you can see shebang. you can see where it is, and it's just a new way of shopping, um, and start creating a really uh, just that's uh, pretty rad. something on the scale that that's you know, pretty we just don't have like all e-commerce sites <laughs> right. in the world converging. And, on yeah, one and place. so and so now you can say, okay, the best place to buy to buy this product is. Amazon US. The best place to buy this is is here in China from this one little uh, yeah. shop. Um, yeah. I mean that's that's obviously it, that takes a whole lot of other work, but yeah. um, but we've we've considered both of these um, paths. Okay. And you know how much are you guys motivated by the desire to build something that's your own, that's unique, that has your you know that you inject your DNA into, and to really you know build 
you know, stay with it because you want to build it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how much could a lucrative exit kind of take you off of that target, you know? Yeah, we're very motivated uh, for the former to to create our own platform the way that we envision it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why we've stayed very low-key, low-profile. Well, not anymore. We're getting... We got a lot of press lately. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of press in the early days, but now we're getting Chinese press, um, which is exciting. Well, I saw something um, you shared on WeChat a couple yeah. of days ago, and it had yeah. like 50,000 views, I think. Yeah. Just a little WeChat yeah. article. Yeah. yeah, and that's just a local uh, magazine. Yeah. We, we also, uh, just the other day, we had um, 36kr.com, uh, which is um, a top 200 website in China, and it's like the largest uh uh, media platform for tech and startup news in China wow. do a piece on us, um, which means we got <laughs> craziest thing happened. I and we have a lot of people contacting now just with all kinds of stuff. One dude showed up uh, early in the morning, about 8 a.m., knocking on Charlie and TJ's door. Actually, not even knocking on the door across the hall where our first office used to be. We don't know how we got that address because that's not, you know, like that's not uh, news yeah. um, and that's not shared. Um, this random Chinese gentleman is knocking on the door at like 8 a.m. Charlie's just getting up, ready to head to the office for work. Um, and this guy is like, he's like sweating. He's like in desperation. He's like, I'm trying to find Bao Pals. I'm looking for Bao Pals. And this is all in Chinese. Uh, yeah. And Charlie's speak, trying to speak with him in Chinese. Um, we don't really know much about the guy other than he saw the article and he wanted to talk to us about cooperation um, and he thinks what we're doing is great. And Charlie's there just trying to calm him down. Like, look, I can't talk to you here and now. Uh, here's an email address. We'll be in touch. Don't worry. Go home. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Please don't, don't stay here and outside my home. <laughs> um, um, so it's an exciting time. Um, so we're not. Wait, wait, wait. We can't just. <laughs> Did okay, that turn yeah. into anything? Or uh, well, we, I don't think Did you hear from emailed. him again? No. I don't, well, he may be one of the, one of the many people that have emailed these past few days. Um, I don't, we didn't get his name. Okay. So but he's we, not sitting yeah. at one of the chairs outside. No, we haven't hired is. him yet. Oh, okay. um, we like initiative, but maybe, you know, not, not directly not that way. <laughs> yeah. um, we don't really hire total creepers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so we, we kind of stayed, we stayed low key uh, in the early days. We didn't go out seeking a, a VC or, mm-hmm. or even an angel investor because we didn't want somebody to, to try to control our journey for us. Sure. Um, and we Which just gives you to, so much mm-hmm. more leverage now and into the future. Yeah. I mean, just having observed these things over the years, as I have mm-hmm. through speaking with people, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, we didn't just take our idea and go find money, yeah. which, you know, Blessing and a curse. It happens a lot these days. And obviously the majority of the time it doesn't turn into anything. Sometimes it does. But, you know, I think, I don't know, you can touch on this Mm -hmm. in in your response, but, you know, now that you have a going concern and it's growing and it clearly has legs, then you get all the leverage, right? Like you can set better terms and you can make sure that you remain in control and nobody tries to hijack your anything here. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary at first because... Um, people are taking such a gamble on it, yeah. right? And so any investors that you bring on, they're going to demand a whole lot more. Sure. They're going to want terms that, that give them outs or um, they want to set milestones that you have to hit. Yeah. Um, and they want to have you know, all these rights that they can that give them more down the road and they, and they can seize control. Yeah. Um, 
and, and even hiring people is tough as well. It's such a gamble, right? We're just like three dudes with a bunch of empty beer cans in an apartment. And we're like, hey, uh, little little Chinese girl, we can barely <laughs> communicate. But, you know, this is a real company. You want to work here. You want to join us. Where are you going? Um, but, uh, but as far as, yeah, the investor route too, um, I mean, for one thing, we didn't give up much equity. Right. Um, and if you really believe that you know, in, the, in the long-term path of the company, that equity is so valuable, way more valuable than any money you're going to pay yourself simply because you have cash in the bank. Sure. Um, so yeah, we didn't give up much equity. We haven't given up any power. I mean, the board, we never even set up a board of directors. Um, like we, we don't have really anyone on the outside who's like, who, who we have to sit down with and they get to ask like, okay, what's going on and put the pressure on. We put enough pressure on ourselves already. Um, but yeah, we have total decision-making power and that's, um, that's just a, it's nice to have. Is it something you're looking toward with, you know, with the stage of the company, the press you're getting, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're getting interest from investors and stuff like that. Are you guys, yeah, in, are you at a stage where you want, need whatever, you know, outside um, investment? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we're, we're not, we haven't officially opened a, a round, uh, the angel round it would be, mm-hmm. um, if we were to do one right now. Um, but we are talking to, uh, VCs now, uh, mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, Mainly, not because we, we thought now's the right time, but because we've, we've got all this press attention lately. Yeah. Um, and we've also gone to a couple, um, you know, startup, uh, events and gotten our, our names out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have, we have, uh, VCs contacting us, angel investors contacting us. Um, we're talking to them. We're, we're kind of gauging their interest. And, um, and I think we will look for a strategic investor mm-hmm. because, um, if we want to get to the next stage, you know, we want to have a huge buffer. Um, we, we are cash flow positive, so we are self-sustaining, but we can't ramp up. Right. Right. You, we can't pour money into marketing. Um, we can't double the size of our tech team. We mm-hmm. have to go quite slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to speed things up. Um, and we really want a partner who, who can help us with the overseas expansion. So they, they know, um, you know, what kind of, uh, logistics, uh, hurdles we need to get through mm-hmm. and the best way to do it instead of, I mean, we can, we could figure it out ourselves, but it'd be nice to have someone who's got experience there right. taking us through it. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously as well, um, if they are connected with the uh, potential you know, acquisition, mm-hmm. um, whether that's Alibaba or someone else, if we're thinking about exit strategy, mm-hmm. they're the type of investor who would, um, you know, be with us for the long haul through, you know, the exit or the eventual, you know, growth globally yeah um now i know i'll preface this question by saying i know it's not all roses when you're doing something like this and the startup community that like startup land as they say is uh i think seduced by the startup media right Mm -hmm. because you know you don't the media doesn't usually publish the failures and right. the depression and the this and the that. Yeah. They publish the startup rounds and the exits and the mergers and all that fun stuff that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of a skewed perception of that. So I, I know the day-to-day here, you know, whether it's super hot, super cold, the internet's out, there's construction going. Like yeah. it's still mm-hmm. work and mm-hmm. a, sh- a lot of it. And it's, it's a grind. You know, it, it, yeah, it's a grind. So I'm not re- – I'm, this question is not in reference to that, but – how do you and, you know, you, I, I guess you speak mostly for yourself, but also your two co-founders feel at this stage where, you know, you were living your lives pre-Bow Pals, you know, and it was whatever. Mm-hmm. You went on that path and that didn't work and that path and that didn't mm-hmm. work. But it just in terms of, you know, when, when you wake up in the morning and the sense, you know, we, we all, I think 
perhaps we don't all admit it or perhaps I'm just extra neurotic, but we all wake up in the morning and even if it's not a super long conversation with ourselves or even super conscious, we're like, how am I with myself and my world and my life? Like, am I jazzed about it? Mm -hmm. Am I strained and is it sucking energy from Mm -hmm. me? Like all that kind of stuff. How do you feel now that like this has become a thing and it's a going concern and you can see that there's a future in it for you and 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 your team and stuff like that? Like Mm -hmm. how differently do you feel now versus three years ago when you were doing something that I'm sure you enjoyed to a certain degree, you were talented at, I'm sure, but Obviously, totally different world. Yeah, now. it's yeah. so different um, because uh, a few years back, before Bow Pals, I I was I mean I was I was making a lot more money. Um, you might think that like <laughs> oh now you know we got this our own company and it's grown and thirty employees must be raking it in. Yeah, most of my and, and friends look at it from the outside too, and and you know even my family is like hey you know when, when's that <laughs> when's that going to start trickling down? I'm, not alone. I'm I've never been this poor. It's been since like college have I been this poor. Um, so that's, that's one of the misconceptions. Yeah. Um, when I was, when I was working uh, as a, a corporate trainer and I had my, I had my business license and I had my own little brand and I was, st- I had like my intern, I was starting to hire part-time trainers to work with me. Um, I was making good money. And so I, I, I was in a very comfortable place. I mean, there were some weeks where I would where I would just work out of cafes at a leisurely pace. I might mm. just spend a whole day on a Wednesday reading. Mm. Or I'm just going to go to a pool today. Um, and I had a steady base of clients, um, and I was making enough money where I didn't really have much to be afraid of. Right. Um, the difference now is that I wake up, and on one hand, I can be so, so excited and optimistic and think like, oh my God, th- this is the opportunity of a lifetime for me. I will never have... An opportunity like this again, because it's not that I, it's not that I, I decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur and now I can think I'm good at this and no matter what, uh, if Baupaus fails, I'll just start the next thing. No, I will <laughs> never have an opportunity like this again. There will never be a problem like this that I am the first, or not me, I mean my co-founders and I, where yeah. we are in a position to solve it at the right time in the right market with the right technology. Yeah. With the uh, opportunity to scale so massively, we will never have this opportunity again. Um, And that is where the other hand comes in, where it's absolutely terrifying. Because what if we fail? If and and it just sucks. Because when you go down that path, it's like shit. If our if if our technology breaks, or if if we get shut down by you know by by Alibaba or by the government or by the law, I mean, you can you can think whatever doomsday scenarios you want. If we get shut down, what do we do? Do we leave China and just go through? Are we just going to be depressed? Are, are we just going to think what could have happened? What where where could we have gone? Yeah. And the the closer we get, because we still haven't reached the point where we can cash out. For us, it's all the long game. Right. We don't we don't really make it until you know we either getting like massive investment, maybe mm-hmm. nice bonus payout for reaching a certain milestone, or we're looking at you know, like stepping back and, and having other people run the business and, and we've made it, we have an empire, right? Or yeah. we, we at least can start building an empire yeah. uh, with our holdings. So it's, it's, it's exciting, but it's terrifying right now. Whereas before all of this, um, I was just kind of gradually trending up yeah. and I was, and I, and, and I, along with that, my savings was going up, mm-hmm. right? But with Bow Pals, 
depleted all the savings, paying, and we pay ourselves just enough to get by so that we can continue working towards this much larger payoff down the road. And so that's where it's scary because you either get there and you're set Uh or you don't make it and you've done all this work and you'll forever be thinking of what could have been. Which I I would imagine is all entrepreneurs have to grapple with that, Mm -hmm. right? Coming from something much more comfortable, much more normal into the Mm -hmm. uncertainty, the uncertain world of entrepreneurship. But like... Are you happier now? Like is there something <laughs> yeah. deeper down oh, where am. you're like, I this am. feels better? I am for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade this for anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if, cause like you yeah. said, I mean, you know, comfort is one thing, mm-hmm. but a once in a lifetime opportunity right. and you know, stories to tell, tell the grandkids and like yeah. all that stuff factors into this, right. stuff, at least when I think about mm-hmm. it, you know, and I'm like, and I think a lot of people in our generation now mm-hmm. also think in those terms. It's not just like how much money mm-hmm. am I going to make, but like how cool is this? Like, right? Yeah. Is, you is, get is this option mark. cool or is that option that yeah. option's lame as fuck? So no, right. like I, I don't want to do that one. Right. But that one's cool. And yeah. you know, failing, especially when you've got started to get stuff and there's stuff mm-hmm. on the line, like mm-hmm. it's I can imagine it's yeah. very scary. But at the end of the day. Worst case scenario is it all goes away mm-hmm. and, you know, you re-scramble and, and I right. guess, you, and, you and learn, I know that's way easy right. for me to say. Yeah, to you, I, I know what you like, mean though. Nobody's going to die is my only point. And I True. think a lot of people in, again, in, in, in our generation are, are, are probably starting to see things more through that. Like how cool is it mm-hmm. to really, you know, work on a problem with your buddies and build a company that has like a lot of your DNA and like personality in it and is also solving yeah. a problem that you feel is adding value to the world. And mm-hmm. that makes you feel good. Yeah. And these sorts of yeah, things. That's, yeah, that's true. And on the point of like the, the DNA being within the company, a, a lot of the time that um, we spend nowadays, um, us founders, is thinking about how to keep the team happy is what kind of culture are we building? Yeah. Right. And, and how do we, how do we, how do we not make this into one of those shitty jobs we had? Right. You know, when we were young. Yeah. Um, hugely important, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, when I, when I, one of the things that gives me uh, a sense of pride and, and makes me feel good is when I, I look at our team. Actually, some days I stay late and everyone's out of the office. Uh, and I just look at the whole office and I think, we built this. We have, we have about 30 people whose day to day lives depend on, you know, and their, a lot of their happiness and their security um, and the money that they make so that they can support their lifestyle and, and in some cases their family is coming from this thing that was nothing. You know, it didn't even exist until we, until we, yeah. uh, you know, pushed it into existence. So that's super. Cool. Yeah, that's that's that's, cool. that's one of the best feelings yeah. is to think like these people believed in our dream um, and now we provided a work environment for them um, that you know we hope and, and we think that they enjoy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm just thinking about the guys upstairs and they're like waiting with bated breath, but they can get <laughs> yeah. back at it. So I'm going to hit you with a couple questions that I thought of beforehand. Sure. Some of them I've asked before, some of them are new, but in the interest of not being interrupted again, just keep them concise. The okay. answers. Shoot. Um, what is one change you would like most to see in the world? You would most like to see in the world. <clears throat> Charlie put me onto this one. Charlie's been talking about Bitcoin for years, right? right? Um, and he's the economist. I was going to ask why the dog's name was Doge. Is it related? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this was before the, the Doge okay, coin, I think. Okay. Um, it's just because our dog looks like the Doge. I wanted to call him Oswald Cobblepot, but that's another story. <laughs> um, Ozzy for short. But uh, Charlie put me on to, to Bitcoins um, a while ago. And I, know, I, was, I always just kind of dismissed it, yeah. right? 
Um, but I would really like to see um, a, a digital currency that wasn't tied to nations. Yeah. Um, you become a lot less nationalistic when you get out of your country for a while, right? Yeah. Um, I would like to see. I would like to see that form of currency that's accepted globally, where we can all agree this thing has real value. I will. I will accept anyone in the world to pay me in this, and I will pay in this as well. Completely level playing field. Decentralized. Nobody has control over it. Absolutely. Inherently anti-inflationary or yes. deflationary. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I like to see. Um, I've actually had Bobby Lee, who's the CEO of BTCC or BTC China, yeah. on this show twice. All right. So uh, I recommend those yeah, uh, those podcasts to anybody who's interested in Bitcoin. He's once, actually a very interesting well, guy. Once Baopal is just big enough, we'll have our own currency that we'll all be shopping <laughs> around the world. Um, uh, okay. Is there anything you do every day that is non-negotiable for you? So you just have to do it. It's part of your routine or something. Um, yeah, coffee is the obvious one. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, for me, I don't nap. I don't. I don't take naps. Um, so and not I, not taking a nap. So is not, yeah, not yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure one once a year. You know, when I'm just so hungover, I, I might I might nap sure. here and there. But um. But I think uh, one thing I always do when I wake up, like time to start the day and the day doesn't end or like there's, there's, just no, there's no stopping the clock out until, um, until it's time to get into bed and reset for the next day. Right. Um, so for me, like, yeah, there's no snooze. Um, the alarm goes off. I wake up um, and, you know, I just get going, get the ball rolling. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's more of a... That's just more of like a productivity tip, yeah. I guess. But uh, non-negotiable, I got to communicate somehow. Whether I'm like talking to people uh, in person yeah. or or online, I can't just completely isolate myself. Like I tried to go on holiday, yeah. And I went I went to a small island in the Philippines uh, called Sikihor, and mm-hmm. there was like no internet, no electricity where I was staying as well. And I thought this is how I'll turn off. But no, nah, I spent plenty of time like in the one restaurant where there was Wi-Fi. Sure. I just couldn't completely disconnect. So I have to communicate Connect. with the world. I like it. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, which singular trait do you hope you have inherited or do you wish you had inherited, inherited from your mother or father? Um, from my mother? Or both. <laughs> my mother's ability to, um, to empathize with everybody and, and to just to find a way to like every single person she ever comes across. Nice. What part of you that you don't express very often would you like to express more, if any? Um, ooh. Uh, <laughs> Not all of like these are be... suited for short answers. Yeah, no, I, okay. I'm, well, the, uh... I'm, I've, I'm quite, as far as uh, personal relationships, yeah. uh, meaning with, for me with females, yeah. um, I tend to be, I, I have quite a shield, uh, an emotional shield. Uh-huh. It takes a lot to, uh, for me to be like, you know what, I'm going to, uh, this, this can work, I'm going to commit to this. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm used to being single. Um, right. And I date, I date, of course. Um, but I'd like to be able to open up a little more and be a little more vulnerable emotionally like we all were when we were young. Right. Uh, you know, it's been a while. So. I got you. <laughs> okay. Do you have uh, a mantra or something you tell yourself often? Um, yeah, one thing uh, is uh, just do it now. Um, I mean, I. That's so know, funny. Not, That's yeah. what I used to have written on my. Do you remember those little peanut-shaped Motorola phones? Like, oh yeah, I don't know oh, how yeah. long, fifteen years mm-hmm. ago or even more. Right, with the little screen on the on like yeah, the outside a little screen on the front, yeah. and they were kind of like long but peanut-shaped. Mm-hmm. 
in my little analog like background, it was just, uh, go do it now. That was yeah. what I always put there. Yeah. Right, because it's so easy to procrastinate. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's the dishes or whether it's something you need to work on. Yeah. It comes back, okay, well, I'll set a time for that. But it's like, well, now's the moment when I've thought of it, so just do it and now. And you, you, know, you, you always go into this rumination about the opportunity cost and should I do this mm-hmm. or should I do that? When like if you just make any, you know, this is a case in point here, doing something like this, but you just yeah. make the decision and deal with it, whatever the outcome is, yeah. right? Um, what, if anything, about your mentality has held you back in the past? How have you attempted to overcome it? Uh, let's see. It's so hard when you're perfect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, plenty of things. Uh, but if I, had to, if I had to say one thing, um, I think that I tend, to, I tend to be quite impatient. I mean, I, I want, I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I want things to be done the right way. Um, but when, when you have a team and not everybody looks at it the exact same way, um, when somebody's coming at it from a different angle with a different approach, your first instinct can be, uh, to put your foot down and explain to them why you're right. Right. (laughs) Um, and if you do that right away without actually hearing them out and understanding. So what, what I need to try to do more is, is explain their point of view with them. You know, before going back to explaining mine, Mm -hmm. you know, and can think it all the way through, even argue their point of view before I come back to arguing mine. I think that's very good. Um, If aliens landed on Earth and you were the first to greet them, what would you show or explain to them first? Uh... So I think they'd, they'd, have they a lot more to, they'd have a lot more to show and explain to us. How did you figure out intergalactic Yeah, travel? yeah, but we're, we're trying to integrate them. So <laughs> okay. they touch down. Right, we have they, so much to teach. Sh- thing comes these down and the smoke comes aliens. out. And, yeah. and they're, you're, Jay, you're there like, hey, guys, what's up? Before you yeah. exterminate us or whatever, I just want to show you X. What, what would that be? Or explain um, X. Oh, boy. Um, it could be an event. It could be an object. It could be a theory, oh, a philosophy, man. whatever. Uh... Maybe, you know, if we're talking theory, maybe I'd want them to know uh, that we've we figured out the theory of evolution um, because I want them to know that, okay, we're adva- you're way more advanced than us, but before you basically treat us like ants, um, we've come far enough to... Uh, I'd want to show them our science. I'd want them to know, like, look, we're, we're the species on this planet. We've had a lot of time to ponder our own existence. Yeah. Uh, we've gone through, you know, learning and discovering evolution. Uh, here's what we've learned about the stars and so on. Don't, don't kill us yet. Maybe you can teach us some tricks, and yeah. uh, we're, we're worth keeping around. Okay. Maybe they'd be like, oh, that's how you think you evolved. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, This isn't true. our first time here. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be terrified if they came. <laughs> like, I, I, I think they're out there. Yeah. But if they, I'm, on the, I'm on the side of the fence where, like, if they come here, it's, it's not to learn from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you have one day to live. How do you spend it? Oh, boy. Um... I suppose I won't. I, I probably won't have time to to travel and, and see my family. And she'd be like, uh, "Well, you could say time with, time with family, but you've got 24 yeah. hours, and you could magically transport to wherever that's going to take mm. place." But what would you do? Oh man, I think I'd I'd want to have a beach party with all my friends and family. <laughs> I'd want us all to be there on a beach and just have the day, have the day on the beach to to barbecue, to hang out, yeah. uh, have good music. Um, Go swimming because I grew up by the beach. I grew up swimming all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there's something calming about the waves. 
knowing that you're basically facing impending doom. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that would, that's the only thing that would maybe <laughs> keep me from losing my mind. <laughs> uh, someone living or dead that, that you greatly admire, um, if you could ask them for one piece of advice, you know, based on their career or whatever, who would it be and what, would the, the, what kind of advice would you solicit from them? I actually don't really have an answer for this that immediately jumps out. Um, okay. I know I've been asked this question before at different stages in my life, but I've never had Pass like, one is an acceptable to. answer if there's nothing that jumps out. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to pass. Okay. Yeah. Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. I love them both. And you're, I, an East, I love you're a West Coast guy, right? Yeah, I, I lived in Connecticut, too, for a bit, ah. so I can claim both. Um, <laughs> Connecticut yeah. I'm, I'm split, you know, on the inside. But uh, I go Biggie because, just because of his, his flow, his lyrical flow. Like yeah. Tupac, great lyrics, poet, um, important music. But I find that his style was, was simplistic. Biggie, Biggie was more complex, and he would have done a lot more with more time. Got it. Um, advice, this is from you, mm-hmm. to people who are unsatisfied with their current state of affairs, circumstance, and want more. Just one piece of advice. One piece of advice. Um, learn how to program. <laughs> learn okay. how to code. Yeah. Um, what's a piece of advice that you would give or have given to yourself in your down moments? Times um, of struggle, despair, whatever. Yeah. I just, I just remind myself that no matter what happens to me, like I've been, I've been given a pretty good hand in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you, know, you, get to live, you get to live in an environment where you don't have to worry about food you don't have to worry about your basic survival. Yeah. Um, you've already got such a leg up on the yeah. world. And I just try to remind myself of that. And then the rest of it is, is just my own, uh, my own, a figment of my imagination as far as real stress and struggle goes. Totally. It's, I mean, it's so easy to forget that. But, man, perspective so important yeah. on all this. Like, yeah. And most of the cages are of our own making, right? Of our, our minds' yeah. own making. And, you know, and, and I, we've all felt it, but whether you're, it's a job or it's a this or it's that, like, do you know how amazing it is? Mm-hmm. The moment in time you're in, the context you're in versus, you know, right. many other horrible situations. And like, right. and I know it's hard because it's almost like saying, it's the same analogy as like, well, how could you care about anything when the universe is infinite and you're actually yeah. so infinitesimally small? It doesn't right. matter. Well, it's because to me, it is everything. Yeah. You know? So I understand that dichotomy, but it's just so, um, perspective is so yeah. important. Um, you know, Louis C.K., the comedian, I, I, he said it best, I think. Um, his, he was just on a long road trip with his daughters and his daughter was sitting in the back and she's like, I'm bored. And uh, I forget exactly how he said it, but he basically was like, you know what? You can sit back there and your brain, your brain is infinite. There is an infinite uh, world inside your brain. You can ponder your own existence. You can look out there and you can ask yourself questions like, uh, what does this all mean? What's out there in the cosmos? Um, You're you're lucky enough you can do that. You don't get to be bored. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I completely agree. You just got to keep reminding yourself of that sometimes. Um, All right. Last bits. Okay. Um, these are word associations. So I'm okay. going to say one word. You don't think. You just spit out what I'll, comes I'll in your mind. I'll try not to curse right? too much. Yeah, right. go for it if you want to. Uh, Jack Ma. Savior. <laughs> God. <laughs> Expats in China. Uh, open-minded. Party. 
the past. <laughs> Fear. Uh, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Ah, interesting. Never heard that one. Success. Faster. Imminent. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's no, just no, my, that's my cocktail. It's on sign. record now. Okay. Uh, AI. Uh, Faster. Terrifying. <laughs> Regret. Don't have them. Communication. Essential. Pizza. Hungry. Love. Please. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's all I got for you today, Jay. I'm right, afraid we're gonna fun. be we're gonna be crushed by them. And mm-hmm. I was gonna try to keep this episode to an hour because the, the most recent ones have been a bit longer. But uh, this is how we do. So, first of all, thank you very much that for was the a time. Pleasure, man. I know you got a shitload of yeah. stuff you need to be doing. Um, before I let you go, is there anything you want to say to the audience or direct them anywhere? You know, Bow Pals. Oh, if I can oh, do a little self-promo. No, go for it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, just go to baupals.com um, and you'll see for yourself. Um, but also come back to baupals.com. If you, if you don't like what you see now, come back in, in two months uh, or three months and you'll see something very different. Um, and if you're in China on WeChat, our ID is baupals. You can, uh, you can even just say hello and talk to one of our friendly customer service guys and ask him a question. And... Are you guys in a talent hunt at the moment? Like, is there, you know, do you want to speak? We're always looking for talent, yeah. So, um, pe- you know, what kind of people are you looking for in terms love, of attitude, uh, personality, skill yeah. set? We want people who, um, who know why they want to work here. Uh, our, our hiring process, to get through the door, we just want to know, all right, have you done your homework? Why do you want to work at Baupals? Do you believe in what we're doing? Um, being bilingual is then, like, as far as qualifications go, if they're bilingual Chinese-English... Um, that's a huge advantage. Yeah. Um, and uh, just understanding what good, good quality customer service is like. And then on the tech side, you know, being a really good programmer, Ruby on Rails um, mm-hmm. and React is most of our code base. Right. Um, but yeah, they can contact hello at baupals.com if they, they want to know more or they yeah. want to talk about anything. Cool. Well, I think we're being played out by the, uh, the sound yeah, of music. So, so. Uh, we'll shut it down there. Thank you again. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next time. All, All right. right. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Tech in Shanghai podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Tech in Shanghai for everything tech from Shanghai and China. See you next time.